This podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Stand with Hamish Dunphy. Now, big news in the United States this week, particularly in certain quarters that are political, was the news that Henry Kissinger has died at the age of 100. Kissinger was a major figure for decades in American foreign policy, essentially. He worked with Richard Nixon, the Nixon-Kissinger team, set out to embrace China, I suppose, and that was a major factor, a project that they undertook together. He also, of course, was deeply involved in the Vietnam War. He really invented the idea of carpet bombing. The carpet bombing of Cambodia lasted four years. It's impossible to say how many died. He then got the Nobel Prize. And we're joined from Washington now by Niall Stanich. Niall is associate editor of the Hill newspaper, an outstanding newspaper in Washington for its impartiality, shall we say. And Niall is also their White House columnist. Niall, the death of Kissinger won't be mourned by too many people now. And there was a scathing obituary in the Huffington Post and elsewhere in America People look back on his values, shall we say, the principal one seeming to be a lust to be close to power or in power. Nevertheless, he was a major figure and he wooed presidents and worked with a number of them, including most notoriously Richard Nixon. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yes, clearly a major figure. And yes, also clearly understandable why his death produced so many excoriating judgments upon him. And someone who was, I think, very adept behind the scenes in Washington at uh, gaining proximity to power, gaining actual power, staying, uh, ingratiating himself and remaining ingratiated with powerful people. I think the reason why you see so much understandable criticism of Henry Kissinger was that he was uh, a remarkably cynical figure, even within a, a cynical uh, world or a cynical um, uh, area of politics. You mentioned in your introduction, Eamon, the carpet bombing of Cambodia, which was conducted essentially in secret, or at least yes. kept secret from Congress for some time, went on, as you mentioned, for four years, killing innumerable people. But of course, there were many other uh, things that 
in which Henry Kissinger had a hand that uh, besmirched the reputation of the United States. One of the more famous ones, or infamous ones, in addition to Cambodia, was his support uh, for a a coup that overthrew uh, Salvador Allende, then the president of Chile, and and replaced him with General Augusto Pinochet, who was uh, a right-wing autocrat, who then, uh, well, presided over Chile for many years subsequently in a very cruel and dictatorial fashion. There are a number of other instances like this in Kissinger's career. Uh, He would, I suppose, fashion himself as someone who believed you had to uh, get your hands dirty to to ensure the continuity of America's uh, power and influence, but really the completely blithe lack of concern with any kind of rudimentary human rights yes. um, is something that has marked him out, I think, for uh, that's why his historical legacy is seen as so grim in many quarters. Yes, and that involvement in Chile, that coup was organized in 1973 when we went to play football there. I was a member of an Irish team that went and played in the stadium where the prisoners were held. He would have been a big player now in the Israeli-Palestine conflict and God only knows what he'd say because the carpet bombing he was responsible for for four years is kind of, I suppose comparable Mm. to what the Israelis have done to Gaza in the last four weeks. Well, I suppose tactically as well, it would, I mean, as I understand the bombing of Cambodia, it was done on the wrong-headed basis that if you could stop support coming to the North Vietnamese by, by just blasting the hell out of Cambodia, that would take care of the problem. And I suppose the parallel is the Israeli belief that just dropping astronomical amounts of ordnance on Gaza and having a land invasion can uh, quell the uh, grievances that the Palestinians have. Uh, I think that is equally unlikely to be um, successful, much as the the bombing of Cambodia was unsuccessful. Yeah, and the image of, for many of us, the image of Vietnam and America's involvement there is captured by the Americans fleeing, mm. desperately clambering or trying to clamber into a helicopter which is taking off from the roof of the American embassy. But let's move on to mm-hmm. today's business, Niall. And the Biden situation, Anthony Blinken has gone back to Israel. It's at least the third time he's been back there. Tell us about the American perception of Biden's support for Israel and the shifts, if any, in public opinion since we last spoke to you a week ago. I think the same or similar dynamics are still at play where Biden is in real difficulty because of the extent to which this issue splits the Democratic Party in particular. And it splits the Democratic Party more or less down the middle. If you look at opinion polls, it is perceived that uh, Democrats are, you know, about about half have greater sympathy with Israel, about half have greater sympathy with the Palestinians. There have been large uh, demonstrations here uh, sympathetic to the plight of the Palestinians and often very critical of President Biden's conduct and his um, 
more or less unconditional support for Israel. Now, it is interesting that rhetorically, at least, uh, Biden seems to have tempered his approach slightly. Now, not in a way that will, I think, uh, mollify critics completely, or that is in any way putting or imposing real red lines upon Israel. But, for example, there was a a slightly uh, opaque a statement he made earlier this week where he was suggesting, and this is an exact quote, to continue down the path of terror, violence, killing and war is to give Hamas what they seek. We can't do that. That was, I think, perceived to be at least a suggestion that Israel couldn't continue once the current cessation is supplanted by further Israeli actions, that it couldn't quite continue in the same way as it has conducted its operations up to this point. What muscle America will bring to bear to stop or discourage the Israelis from doing so is not quite clear. Um, Briefly, Eamon, to talk about another part of this context, Biden at the outset had uh, requested from Congress $14 billion of uh, extra aid for Israel. There are no conditions upon that. Uh, Some left-wing members of the Democratic Party have expressed support for there being such conditions. But Biden at one point sort of said uh, something vague that he was open to that thought, but that has now been quashed by uh, other members of his administration who say that at least for this tranche of aid, if it is given, there will be no conditions attached. There is an impression now that's out there that America can't really budge the Israelis and Mm. Joe Biden, for all his long, as he says, 40-year association with Bibi, his friend Bibi Netanyahu, for all of that, Mm. this Israeli cabinet, which of course contains some people from the far right, far, far right, really, Mm-hmm. may not heed American, if you like, sounds or sounds of disapproval or indeed America saying, can you not be more restrained? They just appear to be doing their own thing. Thanks for the money, guys, but will you go away now? Mm. Is, is that something that the Americans have a sense of? I think it is, and I think it is something that is uh, causing issues amongst I would say, uh, left-wing dissenters from Biden's position. I'm not sure how much that is fully appreciated among the broader population. Yes. But you're, you're, you're quite right, and I can cite just one um, very clear example of it because I happen to uh, have the quotes in front of me. Biden had at one point recently said that there was to be, again, this is a direct quote, no forcible displacement of Palestinians from Gaza and no reoccupation. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu, on his own Twitter account, then went on uh, at a later point, I think it was the next day or a day or two later, next day, to post a photograph of himself laying a cornerstone for a new settlement in the Gaza Strip. And Netanyahu accompanied this picture with a message that read, in part, we will restore the settlements expand the settlements and add more settlements. And he's clearly referring there to settlements in Gaza, which of course had been abandoned by Israel, even though it did not abandon its control of the borders of Gaza uh, now more than a decade ago. So that 
sort of thing, uh, I think, demonstrates exactly the point that you're making, Eamon, that uh, Biden and others uh, urge this restraint at times, and uh, the Israelis, particularly Mr. Netanyahu himself, and those figures on the far right, don't seem to care very much. No, and on the West Bank now, the Israeli settlers who are a militant crowd supported by Israeli troops, two young children really were murdered by Israeli troops yesterday. And this is ethnic cleansing really, they're getting rid of the Palestinians for whom this is home, and they're going to move on with more ground taken and this is a clear breach of everything that you could think of, yet America goes along with it. There must be some Americans who are serious people who see what this does to America's moral authority, if that's not a stupid phrase to use in the context of geopolitics, but certainly from the sense that people of a certain generation grew up with, that America was on the side of right. Mm. Yeah, I think it does to a degree. Uh, I I guess the reason I'm pausing is that I I don't want to underestimate the level of pro-Israel sentiment in the United States either. I mean, the, the, the phrase ethnic cleansing, for example, which I think is quite widely used in Europe, would be vigorously disputed by a lot of Americans and wouldn't really appear very much in, in news coverage uh, yeah. here. Um, now, there is certainly a shift, and it's partly a generational shift, among younger Americans to a more pro-Palestinian position on the overall uh, conflict, not just since the terrible Hamas attack of October 7th, yes. but the overall conflict writ large. Uh, now, I, I think that there is, from those groups, a belief that the United States is staining its international reputation by putting so few real constraints on Israel's actions. Yep. In tandem with that, there are uh, um, an enormous number of Americans who are sympathetic to Israel, who support Israel, who uh, are suspicious of the demonstrations that I mentioned that are supportive yes. of the Palestinians and so on and so forth. So politically a complex issue, but yes, I'm not disputing that some people take the view that you just outlined. I won't labour the point, but would it be fair mm. to say that Anthony Blinken is going to Tel Aviv as a supplicant rather than as a guy who's just signed... Well, representing a country that has armed Israel, protected it, allowed it to become a very divisive and hostile, mm-hmm. and some would say murderous force in the region and a dangerous force. And there's the Secretary of State, second highest office, really, mm-hmm. in terms of power, going there as a supplicant to say, Look, listen, guys, can you, uh, you've killed too many children, which is a direct quote from Blinken. Mm. The the Biden administration contends that they can preserve more influence over the Israeli government by limiting or just refusing to criticize them in public and that they are working behind the scenes for more humanitarian supplies, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, your listeners can make their own judgment as to whether that tactic is really 
is whether there's evidence that that is working or not. It is certainly appears to be the case that the United States administration, at least as I say rhetorically, is seeking some sort of tempering of the Israeli approach. Yeah. How effective that has been is clearly highly disputable. Forgive me for laboring the point that, no, I, no. that I didn't want to labor. The uh, other interesting development this week was Hunter Biden's decision to cooperate with the congressional committee that is trying to find out what he was up to. And he insists, though, that the hearings be held in public because he's afraid, I think, that if he goes before what is predominantly a Republican committee, but not solely, of course, that they leak stuff that is hostile to him and his case. He doesn't mind, he, he says, going in public and letting everyone see the facts as they unfold and make their own minds up. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Hunter Biden's trying to take the initiative, or at least trying to wrest some of the initiative back from the Republicans who've been on his tail for for a long time. Now, you and I have talked about Hunter Biden before, Eamon. I mean, I'm not, I'm not rowing in behind Hunter Biden. He's a fairly shady character in many ways who has got lots of money from uh, out, you know, outside interests at times in his life for no very obvious uh, reason. Most obviously when he was being paid around $50,000 a month by a Ukrainian energy company. Yes. Uh, despite him not having any great uh, expertise in either Eastern Europe or, or energy. But be that as it may, the Republicans have sought for a long time to use Hunter Biden to prove, or prove in inverted commas, corruption on Joe Biden's part. They have not been able to prove that uh, so far, and they had subpoenaed Hunter Biden at the start of this month, uh, start of November, that is, to appear in uh, early December uh, before them for what they wanted to be a private deposition. Hunter Biden now says, no, he won't do that. He is happy to come and testify in public. And it's for exactly the reason that you mentioned. He doesn't want selective leaks. He would be willing to take his chances in a public hearing and let people see for themselves what's asked and how he answers it. Yes, it's the House Oversight Committee. And because the Republicans are in a majority, they have the chair. Mm -hmm. One of the members of the committee is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a Democrat from New York, a very, in American terms, left-wing politician. AOC is her, her nickname, if you like. Mm -hmm. And she says they don't have a case and they're frightened of going public with it because that will become apparent. Yeah, that's right. And what she is really alluding to there is a couple of past instances where Republicans... Uh, leaked things in advance to friendly media yep. that turned out on closer inspection to be much less damning than was initially yes. suggested. For example, there was a, a former business associate of Hunter Biden's, and it was billed that he was going to talk about how Joe Biden had got on the phone during business meetings, and the implication was that Joe Biden was intimately involved. When that person, who is now estranged from Hunter Biden, testified, he testified that there were occasions when Biden would be on the phone briefly, but that no business was ever discussed. And it was typically him saying hello to his son and discussing 
the weather. Uh, and this guy has no particular, as I say, no particular reason to defend Hunter Biden because they are now uh, alienated from one another. So that's just one example of what AOC is referring to there when she is suggesting that Republicans tend to oversell, or the Republicans on that committee tend to oversell what they have. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Now, there has been movement on the Republican side in terms of next year's presidential election, Niall, Donald Trump is refusing to take part in the primary debates, which the first primary will be held very soon. Trump says there's no point. He's so far ahead. It's nothing to do with him. He'll just appear at the convention next year and be crowned. However, there is a significant development regarding Nikki Haley, who was a former governor of South Carolina. She was also... Trump's ambassador to the United Nations. She's a formidable woman and what might be called the money man, the big donors have let it be known that they're going to row in behind Nikki Haley. What's behind that, Niall? Is it, you know, that Trump is just too toxic? You explained to us last week your view that whereas Trump and Biden might be close as a race, Nikki Haley and Biden wouldn't be close at all because she'd crush him, to, to use your own words. Yeah, I think she would uh, because, in short, she is uh, unacceptable to fewer people. I mean, the, the great asset that Biden would have in a Biden-Trump race is that there's about 
half the country that just won't vote for Trump under any circumstances. Nikki Haley is a more, uh, I mean, she's very conservative, but she's not as volatile as Trump. She's not as toxic as Trump. She's not as prone to use that incendiary language as he is. And uh, obviously, she's much younger. She's the only woman in the Republican race. So she would appeal to a greater number of people. And as we have discussed several times, President Biden's approval ratings are, are very poor. Now, the problem Nikki Haley has is that she's still lagging a long way behind Trump in the actual polls. And while he won't, uh, to be clear, participate in the debates, he will, of course, have to participate in the caucuses and primaries themselves. But he has big leads in all of those early states. So uh, there's a question of how she reels that lead in. And the money men, including a group called Americans for Prosperity earlier this week, have now announced that they're going to back her. It is partly out of uh, fear of Trump's volatility. It's partly out of fear that Trump would in fact lose a general election to Biden, although Right now, he probably has a slight edge in the opinion polls. Um, And it's also, I think, the uh, belief that Nikki Haley is a more uh, traditional kind of Republican in all sorts of ways, in terms of being very sort of friendly to business, in terms of being more uh, hawkish in terms of foreign policy. To take one example, she's a big backer of the United States aiding Ukraine, which Trump is very openly skeptical of. Yes. So all of those things mark out the contrast, but Nikki Haley still has a very steep mountain to climb if she hopes to become the Republican nominee. Now, just to get local for a moment, Niall, mm. Ireland was the subject of a very interesting conversation I watched between Steve Bannon, formerly a close associate of Trump's. I think he was chief of staff for half an chief, hour. Chief strategist, I believe. Was chief anyway. strategist, yeah. thank yeah. you for half an hour when Trump got to the White House, but he talked too much. And Tucker Carlson, who was on Fox, but was dumped by Fox when they had to pay a libel bill, and he was one of the people principally responsible for it. They discussed Ireland, and we had unrest here, civic unrest, trouble on the streets last week, and there was a 20-minute conversation between Bannon and Carlson. I don't know if you saw it. I saw some of it. Yeah, Yeah. and Mm. they were drawing comparisons between Ireland and and the United States, and the subject was immigration and this thing called replacement theory. Mm. Can you explain replacement theory to us? Mm -hmm. And can you tell us why Ireland should be attracting attention from great men like Bannon and Carlson. <laughs> so replacement theory is the idea that elites are seeking to weaken immigration laws in order to both dilute the native character of a nation and to bring in new voters who it would be anticipated, would vote in a liberal or left-of-center fashion. Its critics contend that it is racist, that it is a sort of um, false flag to gin up uh, concern about non-white immigration, essentially. I mean, there are also people over here in the United States who uh, adhere to replacement theory with a sort of weird anti-Semitic 
tinge. Yes. They sort of portray it as being a, a partly Jewish plot. Um, so it, it has many sort of noxious elements to it. The conversation between Carlson and Bannon was using the recent riots in Dublin to suggest that this was what was going on in Ireland. Yes. Uh, now, Tucker Carlson made, to my mind, the absurd assertion that the Irish government is trying to replace the population of Ireland. <laughs> um, I mean, I, that is not... Well, I think that was a, very high on the FFFG agenda, but there we go. Well, if they were, there'd be no chance of it happening anyway. <laughs> <laughs> they can't open the door, but uh, never mind. Yeah. Replace the population. Just finally, Niall, the feeling I got watching it was that Bannon, he spruced himself up a bit mm. and he looks more... Mm presidential he uh, <laughs> but he looks more like a presidential advisor is supposed to look yeah. carlson of course doesn't appear to have suffered at all for costing rupert murdoch the best part of a billion dollars how do they fare now are they firmly part of the political class and their dialogue and their ideas are now mainstream uh, ish. I don't. Uh, yeah, ish. Maybe, maybe the way of putting that. I mean, uh, Carlson was ousted from Fox as well in the wake of that huge defamation settlement. That was a broader problem than Tucker Carlson with Fox News. I mean, to make a very long story short, it was that Fox News had not pushed back sufficiently hard at at lies about yes. election fraud, essentially. Yes. But. Um, in among all of that, there is the not unrelated issue, certainly I would say not unrelated in Rupert Murdoch's mind, that Tucker Carlson was perceived as so incendiary that advertisers, even though his show got a very yes. large audience, advertisers wouldn't advertise for the most part, or many would not advertise near it because they regarded it as too controversial and too likely to backfire. So now he does the show that you saw with Bannon, which is a live thing on what used to be called Twitter and is now X. He and people like Steve Bannon are positioning themselves, I think, as spokespeople for um, what a few years ago was called the alt-right, yes. a, a sort of more openly nationalistic movement that flirts with all sorts of weird theories, including replacement theory, but has a not insignificant number of uh, people who ascribe to it, I would say, in this country. Now, the mere fact that he's not on Fox, Carlson isn't on Fox, does distance him a bit from the mainstream. But the ideas that they propagate are not at all far removed from the idea that ideas that Mr. Trump propagates, and he is, as we have discussed many times, far and away the leader in uh, uh, the quest to become the Republican presidential nominee. Okay, well, we'll have to deal with that when it happens, Niall. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Niall Stanich is Associate Editor of The Hill, and he is also White House columnist for that paper and a terrific journalist, really top-class journalist. And we're very grateful to Niall, to all of you for listening. That's all we have time for now. We'll talk to you soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.